Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is a podcast about curiosity and wide thinking. Today on the show, I am joined by the curator, Eric Chen. Earlier this summer, it was announced that Eric had been appointed the new general and artistic director of the New Institute, which is a Rotterdam cultural institution that is this kind of really interesting mix of museum, research center, and agency. Before this, Eric was the curatorial director for Design Miami. He served as a curator at large for M Plus, where he helped start the new museum's collection and was a creative director of Beijing Design Week. He also is a faculty member and is the founding director of the Curatorial Lab at the College of Design and Innovation at Tongji University in Shanghai. I've been a fan of Eric's work for a long time and was especially interested in the diversity of his work. He's moved across disciplines, he's worked inside institutions and independently, and he's worked all over the world. So we begin this conversation talking about the threads that connect this diverse body of work and how he thinks about his own practice. We talk about how his new position at the new institute fits this way of working and what he wants to bring to the institution. And we also talk about how the design discourse has changed over his career and where he sees it heading. I very selfishly got so much from this conversation. I found it so interesting and helpful as I kind of process my own work. And I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. If you like the show, I hope you consider supporting it on Patreon. We offer three monthly tiers, $3 for students, $5 for patrons, and $10 for super fans. Every tier gives you access to all sorts of bonus content like monthly newsletters, early episodes, transcripts of every episode, and exclusive bonus interviews each month, all while helping to continually financially support the show. So if you like Scratching the Surface, if you want to see it continue, if you want more of it in the world, I hope you consider joining us on Patreon. You can visit patreon.com slash surface podcast for all the details and to help support the show. Thank you as always for your support. And here is me with Eric Chen. to talk about your new your new position in this this new job that you've just started but before we do that I want to try to frame that a little bit and your career is one that I've I've been following for a while and is one I'm very interested in because you've worked across uh, kind of journalism and criticism and curatorial practice you've worked in institutions at museums at design fairs you've worked independently you've kind of been all over the place you're working in different geographic locations all over the world and I'm curious if you think there's something that connects those roles and those locations, or is there a certain, you know, kind of curatorial point of view or critical project or some thread that connects those? How do you kind of think about all of the work that you've you've done? Yeah, well, um, well, I, I suppose it's. I mean, now now that you sort of. Um, uh, throwing it all back at me. <laughs> I guess my life has been a bit, um, uh, I don't know, maybe not random, but 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 let's say uh, heterogeneous. Uh, I, I guess within the fields of architecture and design, um, and I suppose if, I mean, if you ask me to uh, to to pull out one thread that connects all of it, I guess uh, I'd have to uh, say curiosity. Maybe you know. Uh, Paolo Antonelli, who you've interviewed before, her, mm-hmm. her Twitter handle is Curious Octopus. <laughs> and, right. uh, and I think that's kind of a good way to, to put it. And in some ways, I think many of us, or really all 
of us uh, as curators and, and, and journalists and, and, and podcasters uh, are, are, mm-hmm. are largely defined by our curiosity. And that's what's really driven me to, um, to do mm-hmm. the, the range of stuff, I guess, that, uh, that I have. I, I totally agree with that. And I feel like, you know, I, when I talk about the work I've done, I feel the same way where it's like, oh, this is just all over the place. I don't know if this kind of adds up to, to anything. But the reason, the reason that I asked that is because you just started this new position at the, at the new Institute. you you were just appointed the, the general and artistic director. And as I was thinking about this conversation, I kind of felt like this new position in a way contains everything that you've done before i mean the new institute is a museum it's a research center it's an agency there's kind of different programming and you've kind of done all of that in these kind of other different avenues around the world do you have thoughts can you talk a little bit about kind of why this position was interesting to you and how maybe you see this building upon what you've done before well i mean it's really funny to hear you put it this way because there is something to that i think you know um I've been living in China for the past 13 years, and, and to be very honest, I've been quite happy here. Uh, and, and I wasn't mm. uh, looking to um, to to leave or or, or move. Um, but when this uh, when this chance came up, uh, I mean, you know, if if you had asked, if if you had asked me even six months ago or a year ago, you know, what what institution I would really love to lead. Um, you know, the new institute would have been right up there. And I think the fact that it is so open that it is. Uh, you know, uh, an institution that in its very name, uh, the new institute is, you know, mm-hmm. not only aspires to, but actually has a mandate to constantly try new things uh, was, was, was really uh, what, what made this uh, uh, too good not to, um, you know, too, too good to turn down. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and that's something that I would really love to maintain. I mean, you know, uh, the new institute has been has been doing such incredible work over the you know its its short lifespan. I mean, it's a it's a very young mm-hmm. institute, though it has a yeah. long history, having been uh, the result of the uh, of the merger eight years ago of of three existing institutes um, uh, across architecture, design, and digital culture. Um, that uh, you know, uh, it, 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 it's sort of known for, for, I guess, being a little bit all over the place. And uh, and, <laughs> right. and speaking with some colleagues uh, just recently, some were, you know, saying maybe we should focus a bit more. And and, and on the one hand, maybe uh, yes, but on the other hand, I was like, no, <laughs> let's, you know, let's 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 not, you know, let's 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 maintain that that kind of openness and that um, that almost uh, uh, stream of consciousness proclivity to constantly look at new things in new ways that kind of goes back to that first question, you know, that, that I was kind of interested in because if that from the outside and I don't, I, I, I was aware of the new Institute. It's, it, it was a institution that I was kind of um, fascinated by, but I had never actually been there. It was all just kind of, you know, seeing it online. And it seemed like what you just said, where it's just kind of doing everything across <laughs> all these different kind of mediums and forms. And, and in a way, that's why it seemed like you were kind of perfect for that because that's been your career. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, also, as the general and artistic director, can you talk a little bit about what that job entails? I imagine that that's kind of thinking about programming and kind of curatorial things, but it also sounds like, um, you know, you're running the institution, you're doing kind of all the administration stuff also, kind of overseeing Well, that. I am, well, you know, another thing that made this this job too good to turn down was that um, uh, it, 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 it's actually run by, by two of us. So there's me, who's the, the general mm. and artistic director, and then... Um, Yosin Paulides, who is the managing uh, director, and, uh, okay. and and I think that really has been designed to kind of 
uh, uh, you know, build on on sort of mutual strengths, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, I I I find the administrative part of uh, running a, an institution to be super interesting, um, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 it, and it is something that I'm already finding myself getting uh, quite involved with at the new institute. But it's 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 also really good to. Um, to be working as a team <laughs> with with someone else who, uh, who who's even better at it. I've I've never run kind of administration at an institution, but I find it very fascinating. I especially find people who come from sort of creative or you know like non businessy backgrounds who find themselves in that position. How they kind of think about it, and I've talked to so many people, so many administrators who come from design or architecture or, or curation who think about that also as a type of kind of creative practice or curatorial practice. Do you, does it feel kind of of a kind of your, your other work? Yeah, in a way, uh, for sure. I mean, uh, to the extent that curating is about in many ways, creating scenarios. I mean, what you're doing with an mm-hmm. institution is you're, you're, you're seeing different ways in which internally uh, you can create scenarios that then can uh, be sort of uh, communicated and projected uh, and, ha- and have impact externally. So uh, it, it, it is very sort of process-driven uh, or it shares that kind of process-driven um, right. uh, element with, uh, with, with curating, with research, with all sorts of creative practices, as you say. I, I have one other question about the new institute before kind of talking about your, your larger work. And I'm interested, you started answering this in the previous question, but I'm interested in kind of what you want to bring to this position and, and to the institution. And like we said, it is a museum. It does have a collection. It is a research center. It's an agency. Are there areas in there that you're excited about that you are you have plans to build upon or kind of projects that you're excited to kind of get going on? I know you just started, but where do you kind of see potential new interests that you can kind of bring in there? Yeah, well, maybe if I can just build a little bit more on your earlier question before I answer this mm-hmm. one, you know, like another thing that's been fascinating to me also is to look at how institutions work, you know, in in, in the mm-hmm. Netherlands, you know, versus uh, versus China or the U.S. or or any of the any of the other places that I've um, uh, had had uh, some experience working in, and uh, and what's what's really fascinated been fascinating to me is the extent to which. Um, you know, uh, the extent to which p- people in the ne- Netherlands are really, uh, really very much driven by these 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 process based mm-hmm. uh, approaches, and it's funny because they, you know, they they I, I often hear people there complaining about the bureaucracy, but it's but coming from where I come <laughs> yeah. from, it's really not so bad, um, and 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 in fact, much of that bureaucracy is. Is so incredibly sort of people centered, you know. It like it, it, it is. Mm. Uh, there there is this incredible uh, emphasis on uh, on uh, building consensus, but also about you know giving uh, different uh, uh, pe- uh, staff members you know a feeling of ownership and and and, and belonging. It, it's so humane, <laughs> and, 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 and mm-hmm. as a like yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and as a both an American and 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 someone who's been living in China for for so long, and both of which yeah. are actually very hierarchical systems. <laughs> um, the U.S. and China have right. more in common than they'd like to admit. Sometimes <laughs> it's it's mm, uh, it's, it's, it's been really really interesting to um to watch how how the Dutch work. Um, now, going back to your uh, going to your next question, I guess, um, which was uh, uh, about what I sort of hope to see 
with the Institute, uh, again, to reiterate, yeah. I mean, my interest in the position was because I was so, I, I, I've been such a big admirer of their work o- over the past mm-hmm. eight years that they've been around. Um, uh, but what's been fascinating is because, you know, is the fact that, as I mentioned, you know, it, the new Institute was the result of a merger um, uh, between the, what was formerly the Netherlands Architecture Institute, the Premzilla, mm-hmm. uh, Premzilla, which was the uh, kind of an institute for uh, uh, design and fashion, and the virtual platform, uh, uh, which focused on digital culture. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. that was actually a very painful merger because it was sort of politically uh, driven by a right-wing uh, government. But, but, uh, but in, in a way... You know, it it it's it, you know, regardless of 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 how how badly it, how bad the circumstances <laughs> may have been uh, for this yeah, to happen, yeah. uh, in a way, uh, it it created a lot of opportunities, and 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 really, what the institute has been doing um, uh, for the past eight years under Hus Boimer uh, is to really think about what the institute is and what an institute can be, right? And hence, the sort of idea mm. of constant perpetual newness. Uh, comes into the equation. Mm-hmm. Now I mm-hmm. think you know, uh, you know the 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 institute has found its footing, and well, we can sort of shift emphasis a little bit from what uh, an institute can be mm-hmm. to what an institute can do. Uh, and so, with all these amazing uh, ideas uh, floating around uh, the institute that have been explored, whether it be you know they were one of the earlier the the, the earlier um, uh, institutions looking at at, at biomaterials, uh, they're they're mm-hmm. looking at uh, uh, questions about uh, assigning rights to non-human entities and, and, and multi-species uh, urbanism and, and, and all sorts of uh, uh, things, we can really begin to use the Institute and what it does as a testing ground uh, for, for mm. some of these ideas. And, and, and this is something that uh, I, I think we'll be uh, really uh, exploring looking forward. You know, let's go back back in time for, for people who are not familiar with with your work, you know, and kind of how, how you got here, you originally, uh, you, you have a BA in architecture and a BA in anthropology from, uh, UC Berkeley. Did you, well, l- let me ask you this question in two ways, um, with this kind of, you know, architecture and anthropology, where did your interest in design come from? And then the second part is, did you think you were going to be an architect? Like, was that the, the plan at the time was to design buildings? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I have to admit my first love was probably architecture. And I grew up in Chicago, mm. you know, a, a few blocks from Frank mm. Lloyd Wright's Roby House. And as many people probably know, mm-hmm. architecture is very much ingrained in the culture in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I very much fell, fell prey to that. Um, but uh, in high school, I did a few internships or I did an internship, I should say, um, uh, working at an architecture firm. And I realized very quickly that I wasn't cut out to be <laughs> in an architect. <laughs> Uh, needless to say, you know, um, uh, it's what I loved and it's what I decided to, to study. And then while I was um, studying it, I, I realized that there was a kind of piece that was missing for me. Uh, and to be honest, I, 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 it, it wasn't so well thought out, but, but I was always sort of drawn to anthropology uh, by, for, mm. you know, by, uh, by pure mm. convenience. The anthropology building was right, was right next to the architecture building. <laughs> and so I Picked up, uh, I picked up anthropology and then um, long story short, uh, after school, I sort of putzed around for a couple of years and I decided to get my MA um, in design history because I came across this program uh, at the Cooper Hewitt uh, Museum mm-hmm. uh, offered jointly with Parsons. And 
I, I really went by, uh, went by instinct. And it was only after the fact that I kind of realized um, that, you know, the, my education had basically uh, trained me to look at people, spaces, and things, <laughs> right? Uh, mm. uh, anthropology, architecture, and, and design history. And, and, um, and I think that's probably what's sort of driven me ever since, not just those disciplines uh, uh, per se, but, uh, but really uh, the way people, spaces, and things interact, the kind of boundaries uh, between them, the, the gaps between them, the, the ways they interact. Um, and fortunately for me, this is this is kind of the direction that design discourse has moved uh, yeah. in recent years as well. So uh, it's worked out well. Can you talk a little bit about that that Cooper Hewitt Parsons program and and what that was like? I think I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure you're the first person I've had on the show who has gone through that program. What kind of classes were you taking? What was that like, and how did that end up? shaping the the work that you did after yeah i mean it was really perfect for me you know i i came from a very big school uh which is berkeley which had thirty two thousand mm-hmm. uh students at the time uh and I, I you know on one coast and i was kind of ready to try something new and new york came calling uh and it was great to spend uh, time in a museum uh with just 16 mm-hmm. people uh in, in in my class and that smallest really allowed for um a, a lot of flexibility and it's funny what you said earlier, going back to this being all over the place. I mean, I, I think what kind of drew me uh, to the program also was um, I, at that point, and, and, and this was in the, the mid to late 90s, you know, I, I never even thought of design history as like a field, right? I mean, and, and, it's, it, and, um, and, and suddenly, you know, to, to be confronted, confronted with this possibility of just kind of understanding all these things that you see both in both in museums and in yeah. daily life yeah um you know to really understand that there are uh, trajectories that these are part of that there are histories and narratives that they are embedded in uh and also that there are histories histories and narratives that have yet to be written uh, about them being a relatively young field uh, was just really um really exciting so i love the fact that i could learn about uh uh, the Italian Renaissance and Rococo at the same time as I could learn about, you know, the uh, the brown uh, Dieter Rams alarm clock uh, that I had uh, next to my dorm room uh, in, 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 in college. Um, and and also the fact that, that we could bring into that, you know, interiors and, 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 and landscapes, mm-hmm. which were also part of the curriculum, um, was, mm-hmm. uh, was just kind of not necessarily, not necessarily filling gaps because I never really thought of these things as gaps, but just or or, or new new areas, you know, that I could sort of yeah. be, be, be exposed to. I I mean I guess at this point we should just lean into the theme of the conversation being all over the place. Because <laughs> <Why not? laughs> uh, I mean I'm the same way, um, and and my work's the same way, and my interests are the same way, frankly, and I think. I, this is a very kind of personal, selfish question that I'm about to ask you, but I, I came from graphic design and was very focused for the first part of my career on graphic design. And as I've gotten older and as my work has changed, my kind of scope of interest has expanded where I'm very much interested in architecture and furniture and interiors and product and, uh, you know, institutions and the design of these institutions and, and that my interests have gotten bigger and bigger and wider and wider. And I sometimes have this sense that, or, or maybe this fear of being too wide and not deep on anything (laughs) and that maybe I should just, you know, 
tune everything else out and kind of just focus on a couple core things. Did you ever feel that pressure? Did you ever feel like, you know what, I should have, I should have like a focus. I should, I should not keep just kind of, you know, following every single thing that I'm curious about. I, yeah, I had that feeling all the time. And um, to put it more <laughs> bluntly, I have that insecurity all the time. Right. Um, mm, mm, but mm-hmm. I think for me, it's, uh, you know, it's about kind of understanding your role. Right. Mm. Um you know, I'm someone who, for example, I love archives, you know, um, and I love um, uh, going into archives and spending a few hours, but that's it. <laughs> like after a few hours, you know, or a few <laughs> afternoons, I, I'm just physically incapable of, of, uh, of, yeah. of, of sitting yeah. there any longer. Um, and, you know, um, uh, it, it's taken me a while, uh, but, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've come to accept that that's actually okay, you know, that... Uh, you know, mm. we fortunately live in a world where there are a lot of smart people di- deep diving into a lot of different things. And in some yeah. ways, given that, you need others who have uh, a kind of b- broader view, who can kind of connect the dots. Mm. And in some ways, that is not only, uh, like I learned this not only in my role as a journalist, right? Um, uh, where yeah. you're really absorbing a lot of different information from a lot of places and, and maybe you can't uh, go as deep as you want to with everything, but 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 you're... But but you need people to kind of piece, uh, bring the pieces together, uh, and, and in many ways that's what the uh, the role of a curator I think is increasingly becoming. Um, you know, we, mm-hmm. there, there is just too much knowledge, too much expertise out there for uh, a curator to be knowledgeable and expert about everything that a curator um, uh, has to sort of uh, tackle, uh, certainly in a contemporary context. Um, right. And in some ways, we we become uh, more like ringmasters, right? It, it, it's, it's about almost <laughs> yeah, I- identifying, yeah. you know, who's uh, yeah, uh, who's good with the tigers and who's good with the, with, with the clown cars <laughs> and, and and so on and so forth, and and and, and bringing them all together and, and making making ma- making the magic happen that way. Right, right, yeah, I love that, and that, I mean, it makes me feel better about <laughs> okay, myself. <I> <laughs> Honestly, um, I think that's a, I think that's a really good way to think about. It. I, I like that you brought up the the journalism because I wanted to talk about that move from journalism to curation. And after after you finished at the Cooper Hewitt Parsons program, was the idea that you were going to be a be a writer and kind of be a journalist? Was that the the plan at that time? No, I uh, like I did after my undergrad. I just sort of spent some time putzing around mm. <laughs> a little bit. Okay, um, okay. Uh, long story short, I you know, and and and, th- and this is where I've also kind of learned to go with the flow a little bit. <laughs> you mm. know, I, I don't mean to sound mm-hmm. fatalistic, mm-hmm. but but sometimes um, uh, sometimes the path of least resistance, <laughs> you know, can 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 take you to places where um, you might wind up quite quite happy. Um, and, and so, uh, after, uh, grad school, you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I just messed around a lot. And, uh, again, to make a very long story short, I had interned while in grad school, uh, at the Met, uh, in, mm. in, in New York. And one day I got a call from, uh, a woman named Susan Lewin, who uh, had ran a PR firm in New York, who was a friend of one of the curators at the Met who I, uh, met. Mm. And, uh, you know, she was looking for somebody, the curator, uh, mentioned me, uh, was kind enough to mention me, and um, Susan called, and I said, "Sure, mm-hmm. why not? I'll give PR a try." Um, ten months later, okay. I realized I, you know, uh, maybe PR wasn't the right thing for me. Um, <laughs> but in the process, I was meeting all these journalists and editors, and I was like, "That's mm-hmm. what I want to be doing." <laughs> and uh, 
and 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 that's how it started. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that move from journalism to curation and how? So, I mean, again, this is perhaps a selfish que- selfish question. I'm I'm someone who does a lot of writing has has found myself in in somewhat of a kind of journalistic uh, mode over the last year or two, and is very interested in curating. And I've talked to many curators over the last year about that jump from writing to curating kind of actually working with the objects making an argument in a physical space what was that transition like for you um how how did that kind of come about and did that feel like a kind of logical continuation of the journalistic work you were doing yeah it happened very organically and and, you know it's uh, and 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 uh not uncommonly uh, I mean, if, if you think about it, mm. the number of, of uh, museum yeah. curators and, and, and directors in, in our field in, in design and architecture who actually came from journalism, it's is, is, is really quite, uh, quite astounding. I mean, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'd say more than half of us. Um, but uh, and, and, and there's a good reason for that. And, and I think it uh, fundamentally comes down to the fact that curating and uh, journalism are actually not that different fundamentally in the sense mm-hmm. that for both what you do is you go out and see as much as you can and learn about as much as you can. Um, you do some filtering, some yeah. editing, you make some judgments, um, you do some due diligence, and then you kind of, uh, cr- you know, find a story. And your job is to kind of um, uh, create this story or narrative for a, a broader audience. And and and, uh, and I think that's why so many of us um, uh, wind up getting asked to start, start curating little projects at first, which is what happened to me. Um, and then uh, in my case, um, the balance just sort of shifted where, um, you know, the, right. the writing was, was my, 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 my work and the curating was a hobby. Uh, and, and now it's you know, the, the curating became the work and, 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 and the writing became more of a hobby. I, I don't want to go through kind of every job <laughs> yeah, that you had, but I do want to, <laughs> I do want to spend a little time, uh, talking about your time at M plus and and kind of building that collection because I think that really connects to what we're talking about about curiosity about having that kind of wide purview about this kind of ringleader that you're talking about because one of the thing and I, you've talked about this a lot so we don't have to talk about it too too much but yeah. one of the things that you were working on when you were at M plus was actually building that collection from scratch and that to me seems different correct me if i'm wrong but that seems different than just kind of curating an exhibition that's thinking about something with a much kind of longer view and i'm curious how you thought about that kind of thinking about how am i going to select these things that are then going to kind of be here you know that this is the collection did that change your approach at all working on on that yeah well i mean this comes back to being all over the place again because <laughs> yeah, in some yeah. ways uh, in some ways uh, building that collection was a form of embracing being all over the place uh, mm, uh and, mm-hmm, and very purpose mm-hmm. very purposefully so uh and, and i'll explain that in a minute but but uh, you know I, I should start to I, I should start by saying that the museum you know wasn't uh totally coming from from scratch in the sense that um, it had a clear mission, uh, which was 20th and 20th and 21st century visual culture, which was kind of an umbrella term at the time um, uh, for visual art, uh, design and architecture, which was the area that I looked after mostly um, and and visual um, and, and moving image, uh, excuse me. And mm. it was, uh, like I said, 20th century till now. And uh, it, it meant it was meant to have a global, uh, uh, a global right. scope, but you know, as seen from our vantage point in uh, Hong Kong, China, East Asia, right. um, uh, et, et cetera. Uh, this, the same way, and, and it was really being positioned uh, and still is being positioned as kind of, you know, to, 
um, uh, to give you the elevator pitch, sort of Asia's answer to, to MoMA and, and the Pompidou, <laughs> right, you know, right, and, and Tate, right. if Tate had design and architecture and so on. Uh, uh, and, 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 and that was uh, very also really about uh, kind of reflecting uh, an increasingly multipolar world, which is something that we are, are, are seeing to uh, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which which we're seeing um, uh, play out more and more. Uh, but the idea was to create uh, a, 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 to contribute to uh, you know a, a global conversation with um, with another uh, perspective, uh, that perspective being very kind of, um, uh, very much rooted uh, in our region. Now that being said, with yeah. the collection, you know, people always ask, "How do you start?" Right, and and um, mm-hmm. and my answer is always, "It's easy. You just start." Um, and <laughs> you know, and you you just start knowing that a collection has no end. You know, it, it you know it only has a beginning. Right. Um, meaning that what what you're doing, and we were very aware that we were laying the foundation. Uh, a foundation to be built built on uh, in the future. So, mm-hmm. uh, when it came to design and architecture, you know, we were we just really cast a, a wide net and started started identifying kind of starting points. Whether it's you know uh, uh, mid century Jap- uh, uh, you know mid century uh, uh, plywood furniture, uh, mid twentieth century right. plywood furniture in, in Japan, or you know um, uh, uh, tropical modernism. Uh, in, 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 in South in, in South and Southeast Asia, or even sort of, um, you know, we, we, we were watching, you know, uh, mainland China just across the border sort of transform right before our eyes. And, and so we were looking at uh, for everything from uh, the kind of emergence of the first and second generation uh, uh, contemporary Chinese architects. Uh, you know, one, one has to re- remember that uh, private architectural practices uh, in you know, since Mao had not been even allowed in China until the mm, 1990s, right. so we were watching the, the development of a whole new, new, uh, new set of language of, of architectural languages, uh, to things like um, copying and, and piracy. You know, uh, Shenzhen, which has which was long known as uh, the, the capital of piracy, though now it's sort of known as the capital of tech, um, uh, and uh, was was right across the border, and and so we would. Uh, you know, uh, troll the the aisles of the uh, electronics market to kind of uh, build a collection that looked at how, uh, in fact, copying and counterfeiting uh, um, as a, a a stage of development that's been repeated all over the world uh, as countries have industrialized, um, how that is, is actually a generative uh, process that 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 leads to innovations and 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 we've seen that happen uh, in in, Shen, in Shenzhen in just a few years that we. Um, uh, yeah. have, have have been doing this. So part of it also for me was like um, a little bit wanting to make sure that some of the constraints that some of uh, our colleagues at other older, more more established institutions uh, have, you know, um, you'll, you'll hear stories from, from, from curators, curators at other museums being told they can't acquire certain things because you know that museum has never acquired it before uh, th- th- that type of that type mm. of material like one one right. colleague said that he right. wanted to acquire a bicycle and he was told no we don't have bicycles in our collection another colleague <laughs> wanted to acquire like a, a speculative design uh that was um that they didn't know how to categorize except as jewelry but they don't collect jewelry so she so she couldn't uh, mm. acquire it mm-hmm. even though this this is a, this design really had nothing to do with with jewelry per se so uh, you know, I made sure we had some jewelry. 
I, I made sure we had some bicycles, <laughs> you know, and, um, uh, and, and, and really, yeah, I was just very conscious that we were setting precedents. I mean, this, this speaks to something that you, you said kind of earlier in your answer that I think is a, a really interesting distinction that I want to hear you talk more about. Talking about M plus was not a museum of Asian visual culture, but was sort of like, uh, an equivalent to MoMA or the Pompidou in that it, it was kind of rooted in the region, but not about the region, I think is kind of how you said yeah. it. Did that, can you talk a little bit about how that framed these decisions about building that collection? Obviously, you know, you can just start, but how did the, how did the region specifically maybe create that lens to then think about building the collection? Yeah, this is a fascinating question, especially uh, to, uh, to think about uh, now, because obviously uh, the world has changed a lot uh, in the, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, nine years since I was first hired uh, there. Mm. Um, you know, the the kind of, uh, I guess, political background is that, you know, for a long time, Hong Kong, in, in sort of uh, trying to uh, uh, um, uh, bolster its, you know, competitiveness, you know, as a as a financial and, and uh, as a financial hub mm. where quote East meets West and so on and so forth, right? Um, the, the 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 city had sort of really tried to position itself as Asia's world city, and so mm. it was from that kind of let's say directive that a museum like M Plus was even possible. Now. Uh, over time, and and M plus has actually been in uh, in the making for 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 much longer than yeah, we, yeah. than curators have been there building a collection. Um, uh, over time, the situation has gotten more 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 complex, right? And 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 uh, and mm. and in Hong Kong, uh, tensions with mainland China um, uh, began to come to a head right as 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 uh, right as we were beginning to build the collection. And so the 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 motive for uh, for really asserting uh, this global view rather than one, uh, rather than an identity rooted in uh, kind of more localist agendas, uh, shifted to basically trying to trying to keep the kind of outward looking uh, spirit of, of of Hong Kong mm. uh, from from sort of right, contracting right. as it was as it seemed to uh, very quickly. Now at the same time. Uh, I think it was really important for us to also reflect the fact that the world was changing and it was becoming more multipolar, that there was no longer a center or, you know, uh, and a periphery, but, but rather multiple centers um, in which, uh, mm -hmm. you know, ideally in the future, we're all at the center and all at the periphery at the same time, right? Uh, I right, guess uh, right. this is an, 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 another way of, of talking about uh, what used to be referred to as, as glocal, that, that really horrible, horrible <laughs> term right. that uh, let's, let's uh, not repeat again. So it was a way of kind of uh, asserting these other uh, voices from other perspectives within global conversations that, you know, design and in, 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 in the context of design and architecture, that these histories were not, um, uh, were, 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 in many ca cases, largely written and um, and broadcast the loudest from the West, but that doesn't mean that there weren't histories, mm -hmm. you know, uh, right. uh, in in our part right. of the world that that could sort of stand on their own legs within transnational uh, contexts. So, uh, so it it was really uh, important for us to kind of um, uh, to to really uh, emphasize that, and 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 it was fascinating to me because at, at first it was difficult to explain 
how a global museum could be in Asia <laughs> or, or, or how a museum could be global and Asian at the same time. You know, uh, people right. are like, either you're a museum of Asian stuff, you know, or you're a museum of like global, i.e. Western stuff. Uh, and, and, even, and even within Asia, and even still now, uh, to many people, Asian, Asian equals traditional and you know, modern equals Western. Uh, and so we wanted to kind of break through those, uh, those, uh, those boundaries. And that's why it was important, especially for me, to, to say that we're not a museum of Asian visual culture, you know, but a museum of visual culture uh, in Asia. Uh, and, and it's that in Asia part that uh, where, where, where things get uh, sort of different and, 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 and interesting. I love, I love that. I think that. I think that makes perfect sense, too. It strikes me. I have a couple of questions to kind of... Um wrap up the conversation, but it strikes me that, that you have constantly been in these positions or in these institutions that combine different things. And so M plus was, um, uh, architecture, design, art, visual culture. The new Institute is, you know, design and, um, you know, kind of digital media Design Miami, when you were there, you know, was really thinking about design broadly. How do you, <laughs> this is perhaps the hardest question of, of this conversation. How do you define design now? Or, or do you have, do you have a sense of when you use that word, what that means? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what I love about design is that if you ask, you know, 20 people this question, you'll, you'll get 20 different answers. It's once again, yeah, all over yeah. the place. <laughs> and, and, and that's what's yeah, wonderful yeah. Um, to me uh, about it. I mean, design for me is, uh, it's really, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an, it's kind of a, it's kind of an, it's kind of an ethos, you know, it, it's an ethos mm -hmm. of, of, of possibilities. Um, it's an ethos fundamentally of, of optimism, uh, the things that the, the, the sense that thing can, things can always mm. be better, but in a more detailed sense, maybe um, it's really just how we articulate uh, the world and our relationship to, to it and each other. Uh, and that mm. articulation happens uh, at, at all scales, um, uh, both physically and, uh, and, and, and virtually. Um, and I guess this really goes back to, you know, what you uh, asked me earlier uh, about my, my um, my educational background, which was not again consciously, uh, um, it, I wasn't conscious about it, but but yeah, in the end, it's it's about people, things, and spaces. But as as spaces and things have sort of expanded, as as the notion of people has ex is and and, and and the notion mm -hmm. of the human uh, is expanding uh, with, with AI and all the sort of more than human discourses that are uh, out there at the moment. Uh, it, it, it all becomes uh, it, it all becomes both clearer and blurrier uh, at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. And in that sense, design is what helps us navigate this, right? Um, mm. uh, you know, design used to be about problem solving. I, I, I remember, you know, twenty years ago, it was all about problem solving, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and and we don't talk about that as much anymore. And and certainly on a micro level, design can solve problems for for, for sure. But on a broader scale. Uh, the 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 problems are too complex to be solved, and one person's problem is the other person is is, is another solution, right? right? Um, and so design right. isn't about that about, about solving any problems per se, but 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 in, but actually about how we uh, uh, mediate, moderate, navigate, uh, and and work our way mm. through the complexities uh, of our uh, current and future uh, conditions, and also our our our, our pasts. You know, uh, you know the the new institute. Um, it's probably 
it's it's well known for its its speculative work and 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 work addressing uh, work addressing contemporary issues. But as you mentioned, it has uh, an amazing collection of, of architecture. It's, it's the yeah. Dutch National Collection of Architecture and, and Urban Planning. I've been told uh, by my colleagues it's the world's largest architecture <laughs> ar- archive and, and collection. Nice. But um, as 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 you know, and as everybody knows, we are now also realizing that uh, the past, or you know, we're now finally acknowledging how much more complex the past was um, yeah. uh, than it's yeah. been uh, presented, and 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 so in that sense, there's a lot of new thinking to do around that as well. I I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about teaching. Teaching is kind of the core of my work these days, and you've you founded and have run the curatorial lab at Tangji University the last few years, which again is this kind of interesting program that is design history and criticism, but also a, a kind of research studio. How does that fit into your work, and kind of what's what are you kind of working on there right now? So you know, I uh, you know, uh, once again, I, I never thought of myself as a teacher, and I, I sort of just just fell into it. But it's been, it's, it's been really great, and I think um, uh, on the one hand, you know, the design history and criticism is 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 in many ways a continuation of uh, of the work that we started uh, at, at M Plus in revisiting you know these historical uh, mm-hmm. narratives, uh, and the curatorial lab is, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get there. There are elements of curation in there, but also elements of of, of, of journalism in there, um, and also elements mm-hmm. of of um, of I guess my my broader uh, my broader trajectory, which has always been kind of uh, looking at specific contexts. I mean, we've been talking about how uh, about you know how I've been all all over the place, and 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 and, and that's true. But but in in each in, in each place, you know. Um, I, I, I've always tried to kind of find some sort of relevance to have what I'm doing there somehow uh, rooted. And with the curatorial lab, I mean, to, to be in China at this moment um, uh, and, and, and thinking about uh, the role of curation uh, in an expansive sense uh, in addressing uh, really the, 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 the still evolving contemporary condition here is, is, has been super, super interesting. So for example, you know, um, uh, we did a studio last last year uh, on uh, art shopping and entertainment, a little bit using right. Young Cool House's right. famous Harvard Guide to Shopping yeah. you know, 20 years ago as a starting point. But, yeah. but uh, you know, in China, so much of cultural production is being generated by brands and real estate developers, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, we were looking at, mm-hmm. at, at the phenomenon, especially of the art mall, which is um, uh, becoming increasingly prevalent here right. uh, as uh, um, a site of... of, of of, of curatorial practice. Right now, we're looking at the the, the notion of reverse curating. Now, uh, many people may have heard that mm. there's been a, a, a this crazy museum building boom uh, in China over, over the past ten years. Um, thousands of new museums uh, have have been built, uh, but those have been driven largely by uh, bureaucratic, political, and uh, economic mm. and even architectural mm-hmm. uh, agendas rather than curatorial ones. And so you have a lot of these these uh, oftentimes magnificent buildings, uh, but no one knows what to really put inside them. Uh, and they're oftentimes <laughs> misaligned uh, with, uh, with with their context. So we're actually studying this phenomenon and, and developing strategies with our students to kind of reverse curate, <laughs> right? To sort of start with the building so and see what you can uh, make out of it. I, I mean, and I love, I, I saw a little bit, I've heard you talk a little bit about the, the art and commerce um, 
project before, which is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about also that we could easily have a whole conversation just about, about that. But I will, uh, I will end with the question that I use to end all of these. I'm curious what you're reading right now. The one that I just picked up um, uh, is called uh, the, the Question Concerning Technology in China, an essay in Cosmotechnics mm. uh, by oh, Yu Hui. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he's a philosopher kind of known for um, uh, his, uh, his, his work on notions of techno-Orientalism. And um, this is uh, something that I um, got when I was going, working on a proposal for, for an exhibition that I was going to call Sino Future. Um, mm. uh, but I mean, it's probably not going to happen, <laughs> uh, uh, at least no time soon. Um, but you know, the, this, this notion of, uh, multipolarity, um, and mm. also, uh, competing visions of the future as, um, uh, as the world kind of, uh, changes, uh, geopolitically. And I actually uh, have a show up right now uh, in Lisbon at the Museum of Art, Architecture and Technology, um, about uh, or looking at this kind of post-global uh, condition that 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 we seem to be um, uh, entering, um, but uh, but but the question of 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 yeah how the future is being positioned here in China uh, is 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 one that uh, I, I think is important to <laughs> to to yeah. look at both both in terms of the challenges it presents and the. And perhaps the, the the dystopian scenarios that it presents, if we're not careful, but also uh, in in the sense of of kind of uh, clearing up misunderstandings um, uh, from uh, mm. from outside China, right? Uh, that uh, right. like I I think this question needs to be sort of uh, looked at in in a clear headed way because uh, there's there's mm. too much at stake. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so interesting. Um... Eric, this was this was such a fascinating conversation for me. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a fan of your work. I'm excited uh, to see what you do at the new institute. Congratulations on the on the new job, and thanks for thanks for being on the podcast. I really really enjoyed this. Yeah, no, thank you. I really enjoyed it also, and 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 really appreciate the uh, the, the chance to speak with you. This episode was recorded on June 14th, 2021. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can support the show on Patreon and find previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening. <laughs>